Hey, church family, just want to say again, happy Resurrection Day to you. Um, it's just been a powerful time gathering online so far in our service as we've lifted up the name of Jesus. We've looked at just the reality of, of his glory being revealed through something as heartbreaking and gruesome as a cross, but that the cross wasn't the end. We serve a living, reigning, ruling King and Savior, Jesus. And so our prayer has been all along that you would experience his tangible presence and peace with you wherever you're watching this, um, alone or with your friends or family or those that you are sheltering in place with. And again, we, we are just honored that you would click the link and that you would join us this morning or whatever time of day you're watching. And so let's just dive right in. Today, I just have a very simple and clear objective. That's to share the good news of the gospel, the, the announcement and the reality of what God has done in and through his son, Jesus Christ. The sheer, simple good news. Um, it's been good news for well over 2000, for over 2000 years and it's hard to improve. Um, here uh, on just the sheer goodness of God revealed through his son Jesus. And so we're going to be hanging out in the gospel of John almost the whole time together. Maybe there's one scripture that doesn't find itself in John's gospel. And so let's just dive right in. Many of you have heard this beautiful verse, even if you didn't grow up in the church. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so here's this unbelievable verse that God loves the world, that he wants to save the world. And so, you know, through his son. And so the question becomes, how is God going to show his love and save the world? These are phenomenal questions to ask. We know this, that when God wanted to show us the height of his love, it says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so we know when God wanted to show the full expression, the word, all that he thinks, all that he feels towards humanity and towards his creation, he sends the most powerful love message the most powerful saving message. It was the message of his son. He sent a person to show us how much he loved us and he loved his world. And so, okay, so he loves the world. He wants to save the world. We know that his message is tied to the person of Jesus, his son. And so how would he display that love for us? Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist says this, when he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we know something about the love of God. We know that his message was way more than words, but the word, his son, Jesus, becomes a human to show us the full expression of God's love. And somehow through that love and that message of love through Jesus, we know that to save the world, there's something about a lamb. Now, what in the world is that all about? A lamb who takes away the sin of the world, and somehow that is how he's going to save the world. Well, if you know anything about the Bible, even if you don't know anything about the Bible, you've probably heard about a guy called Pharaoh 
or Egypt or the ten plagues. Again, even if you're not, you don't consider yourself a religious person. But if you rewind back into the biblical story in Exodus chapter 12, God had raised up Moses and his brother Aaron to deliver his people, um, the Jewish people, from their slavery and bondage. And so he sends these ten plagues that judge the, the false gods of Egypt and the hardness of Pharaoh's heart who's enslaving God's people. And so on the tenth plague, there's the, 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 the angel of death was going to come over the entire land. And unless you had the blood of a pure and spotless lamb spread across the door frames of your house, your firstborn son would die. And so God gave them this prophetic, powerful picture that when the angel of death passes over and sees the blood of the lamb over the door of your home, your whole family would be spared. And so God loves the world. He's shown that love by giving us a message. And that message is a person, Jesus. And he's going to save the world through Jesus becoming a lamb to take away our sin. It goes on. Jesus, after he performs many miracles and preaches and teaches, says this right before he would go and become a lamb. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And so if you go all the way back to the first few pages of the Bible, you'll see God creates humanity, Adam and Eve. He gives them this glorious place called the Garden of Eden, full of potential, full of beauty, full of abundance, full of provision. Um, just And he gives them authority and power to rule and reign with him as vice regents or or co-heirs, stewards of God's good world. And he says, you're going to live forever. You're going to be fruitful and multiply. You're going to rule and subdue the earth, the, the garden that we experience together. You're going to extend its borders by teasing out the potential outside of the garden and bring my redemptive purposes to bear as you grow families and cities and civilizations and the like. But what we find is, is that instead of partnering with God in the garden, they chose to, to reach for the fruit, not of the of everlasting life, the tree of life, but the fruit of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. And they forged a path to be their own little kings and queens of their own kingdoms instead of partnering with God and His. As a result of that, because of what the Bible calls sin, they're driven out of God's presence. Because the question is, why does a lamb have to die anyway? Well, our sin makes us unclean, just like Adam and Eve. They, because they sinned, their eyes were open. They felt shame. They felt disorientation. They felt distance uh, um, between God and them, between themselves. Adam and Eve had strife and enmity, and even between themselves and God's good world. Thorns and thistles began to grow, and your back started to hurt. Thanks, Adam. From, from doing hard work, and there's pain in childbearing. Thanks, Eve. And so all of creation is sort of, it's soured. It's, it goes sideways because of sin. But right there, as God's sending, and he's sending them into exile outside of Eden, 
they, they try to cover themselves. They put fig leaves over their bodies and because they're, they're totally guilty. They totally feel ashamed. God removes their coverings. And way back in Genesis 3, he provides a covering for them. Take away those, and he gives them skins of animals. In other words, right there in Genesis 3, we see this principle of a substitute. Of, of somebody who steps in the gap for your guilt, for your sin, for your uncleanliness, and through the life, the, the, the payment of a life of another, you are able to go free. You don't, you don't have to receive the judgment and the condemnation and um, the wrath that this substitute steps in your place for you. And the Bible calls this atonement. That the, the reality, the, the fracture, the brokenness of sin, it, it brings not only between just within ourselves that we don't feel at home, but again, strife between our brother or our sister or our spouse or a friend and, and then strife between us and God. And so this vision of a lamb, this vision that Jesus just said, that the seed that's going to fall to the ground, like he has to die because sin for from the very beginning has been that decaying death-like force that has wreaked havoc on all of us all of our families all of our hearts our minds our relationships and jesus says when i'm lifted up as the lamb of god i'm going to be that once and for all sacrifice that deals with sin at its source i'm gonna my my blood that i'm going to spill and shed and my love that I'm going to display, that when people look to me lifted up on that cross, I'm going to draw them to myself. And as they're drawn to me, I'm going to save, restore, and heal them. Well, what else does John's gospel say? What's so profound is that when Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified, he says this. Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said, here is the man. You know, the Bible says that because of one man's disobedience and sin, Adam, death came to all of us. But then it says through in Romans 5, through one man's righteous act, many will be made righteous. So it's this scandalous um, parade that Pilate says, here's the man, you know, um, mocking. And, 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 you know, God's Jesus's contemporaries, they don't see, they can't see his glory yet, even though he's been revealing it through his signs and wonders and teachings and miracles. But this will be the ultimate sign, the sign of his cross. And so it goes on to say in John chapter 19, later, knowing that everything had been finished so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. And a sponge on a stalk with the hyssop plant lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head. He gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation. The next day was a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken, as if being crucified wasn't enough, and the bodies were taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who'd been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Here's the man 
and he's lifted up on the cross. And unlike the king they thought would come to save Israel and inaugurate and establish God's kingdom, here is the man hanging on a cross, hanging with common criminals, the Son of God, the Righteous One, the Holy One, the Messiah of Israel, the King of the universe. Here's the man hanging as a common criminal. And he's thirsty. Imagine the dehydration and the whippings and the beatings. And, and so he's, he knows that everything that he and the Father had planned from before time began to restore, reconcile, and redeem all of creation. He knew this was the moment. And he's thirsty. And his thirst, really, he, he fully identifies with our thirst. See, friends, all of us thirst for meaning. All of us thirst for a place to call home. All of us thirst for a people to call family. All of us thirst for a place to call abundance. All of us thirst for a place called significance, being loved, cherished, and wanted. And it's in this moment of the cross that the Lamb, Jesus, He's hanging there and He experiences the depths of our thirst. And then He says, It's finished. All of humanity's searching, all of their thirsting, all of their longing are now going to be satisfied in and through me. And he gives up his spirit. And the soldier pierces his side and the blood of the most pure, perfect, innocent lamb, Jesus, starts flowing to wash us and cleanse us from our sin, to wash us of all of our impurity. And then the water flows to renew us restore us and refresh us with God's cleansing stream of life-giving water and sustenance. And it's this beautiful picture of the gospel. But if you know something I'm leaving out from the story, that yes, he died. He was the lamb who loved the world and gave up his life, but it didn't stop there. What is this Easter passage? Early in the morning, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, the younger one, John, and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, she said. I don't know where they put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, 
She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And so we know Jesus was crucified. He was buried in a brand new tomb in a garden. And the disciples are coming. What happened to our Jesus? We thought he was going to be the king, but he died. And they came to, to you know, do all the ceremonial rites and, and rituals. And they're shocked that the tomb is empty, that it's open and it's empty. And here's this powerful picture that John's gospel gives us of Jesus being mistaken for a gardener. Remember way back at the beginning of the Bible, there's a garden. And because of sin, they have to leave the beauty and abundance and provision of the garden. And here Jesus in resurrection glory, he's mistaken for a gardener, which is to say, through my death and because of my triumph over it and my resurrection, I am ushering in God's new creation reality. All that you felt, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, I have swallowed it up. I've destroyed it. I've absorbed sin. I was the lamb. I took sin away from the world so that I could be the conduit through which God could bring new creation, a new garden, a new story to bear right in the midst of a broken and fragmented world. And friends, this is the good news of Resurrection Sunday. Yes, he was crucified for our sin, but he was raised so that we could become participants of God's new creation reality. And so the question obviously is how? How can I experience Jesus as a gardener in my own life? I've got weeds, I've got junk and gunk and stuff that's so messed up on the inside. I, I'm unclean, I don't feel worthy. Jesus is a gardener and he's a savior, but what, about, what does he need to do inside of me and all the, the stuff in my soil that's not good, that's not a part of his new creation beauty of the love and the joy and all of those beautiful things of his kingdom? Well, I'm going to be very, very brief here. It says this, if you receive him and believe in his name, that God gives you the right to become a child or children of God, children not born of natural descent or a husband's decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Bible says that if you receive Jesus's saving, loving, redeeming work, you become like a brand new kid, a child. Remember what he told Mary, go tell the disciples, I'm going to my father and your father, my God and your God, because of the cross and resurrection, we can become children of God. But that's not all, as if that's not good enough. Jesus says, whoever drinks the water that I give them, remember the spear and the side and the water that flowed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 7, whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so it's by believing in Jesus, we drink of the water of salvation. We become a, a brand new creation. We become a child of God. And then we drink of his, uh, you know, we believe that his cross was enough. We believe that he's the gardener that can change our life. 
It says a river of living water will flow from within us. Okay, if that's not good enough, what about this? Whoever believes in his, hears his word and believes in him, you, you have eternal life and you will not be judged, but you've crossed over from death to life. It gets even better. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever believes in me by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So not only do we get the life-giving water of salvation, become a child of God by believing in Jesus, we cross from death to life by trusting in this word called the gospel. This is the good news of, of, of Resurrection Sunday. This is the good news every day that what God has done through Jesus is nothing short of bringing new creation to bear right in the midst of our world today. Jesus says that eternal life is to know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says, I have made you known, Father, speaking of the Father, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Friends, this is the glorious news today that you can receive and experience right in your living room, in your car, wherever you're watching. You can receive God's new life by trusting in Jesus. And as you trust in him, the Bible says, John tells us, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of disciples, which are not recorded in this book, his gospel. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Israel's King, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And I believe right now, in the midst of a coronavirus crisis, in the midst of where death seems to be swirling around us, Jesus says, if you believe in me, even if you die, you don't really die. I'm the resurrection and the life. In me, you will live and experience life forever. What is so profound is that all of this comes to us because of his sheer grace and love. You can't earn it. You can't work up yourself to deserve it. You open your heart to God's brand new life that he's made available through his son, Jesus. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. So I just want you to open your heart right now, wherever you're watching or listening, and just pray this simple prayer with me. Father, I believe that the most beautiful message of your love has been seen and heard through the sending of your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he was the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world, which includes my sin. And Father, I believe that his grace can save me, heal me, and deliver me, and make me a brand new creation. I receive your love. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I believe in the good news of the gospel. And I believe that right here and now, I'm beginning a brand new journey as a new creation. Jesus is a gardener 
who's making me brand new from the inside out. And I believe all of this in the simple, most beautiful, powerful name, in the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, the Bible says if you believe this with all of your heart, you're a new creation. And here's what's so cool. You become a house for God the Father and the Son. Anyone who loves me and obeys my teaching, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. You and I literally become a house for God, the King of the world, the Father of all creation. By the Holy Spirit, we become His house, a new creation. And then guess what? Our whole life is lived in this two-verse reality. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So your whole life, if you've received Jesus today, you never move beyond Jesus. He was the good news. He's the door into the kingdom. And he's the vine from which all of the fruit of the spirit, fruit of the kingdom, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, and the self-control. These fruits that the gardener Jesus wants to grow in our life by his spirit. Our whole life flows from the one who gave us his life, Jesus. So my prayer is that if this wouldn't just be a beginning for you, a new creation, yes, but it would be the start of a brand new journey. And we want you to click the links below. We have a connect card. Reach out to us. We want to partner with you in your brand new life in Christ. And for those who've been in the, the, the family a long time, I pray that you feel re refreshed and restored, that you were reminded this morning or wherever you're watching and whenever you're watching, of the good news of the gospel that we proclaim. <laughs> the glory of a Savior who was crucified as the Lamb, who's taken away our sin, who was raised up in glory, who's destroyed sin, hell, death, and the grave, and who's given us His life as a sheer gift. Friends, bless you this Resurrection Sunday. I pray that you would experience this living hope, the beauty of Jesus, as an everyday tangible reality in your life. I love you, I bless you. Now let's open our hearts as we receive God's blessing and we sing one more song of God's blessing and favor and glory and grace resting upon our families. I love you guys. He is risen and he is risen indeed.